For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back to the Jet Press Podcast. My name is Justin Freed, and I'm joined, as always, by my man, Mike Luciano. Mike, what's going on, man? How you doing? Well, let's again bring back our Aaron Rodgers update. Uh, nothing happened, so that concludes Aaron Rodgers' watch. Thank you guys so much for subscribing to our YouTube channel, checking out our podcast. We had a big growth in subscribers thanks to that whole back catalog of YouTube shorts that are now up. Go and check those out. And Justin has really gotten busy with some of the prospect interviews that are up on the Jeff Press channel right now. Yes, sir. Yeah, we just passed 100 subs on YouTube. So, I, you know, we've only been doing this for a few months now. We really, really do appreciate all the support. Uh, I got the opportunity to interview Thomas Morstead, the new Jet, new, I guess, slash old returning Jets punter, whatever you want to call him. Uh, I have a couple of prospect interviews coming up. One that's up right now with LSU defensive back Jark Bernard Converse. So please check that out if you can. Like, subscribe, notification bell. You guys know what to do. We'll get into more of that, I'm sure, later. Uh, but just wanted to give a quick shout-out to that before we get started. As always, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify. You can find us there and wherever you get your podcast. Also, make sure when you're over on YouTube, go and hit that little bell icon top right. That way you get notified whenever we go live. Over on the podcast stuff, five-star reviews, written reviews too. For whatever reason, man, they love those written reviews, those podcast algorithms. That would be a big help to us on the business end of things. Thank you guys so much. And now with all the housekeeping out of the way, let us talk football because off-season workouts are here. Aaron Rodgers is not here for reasons that have been explained to the point of nauseam by pretty much everybody. So let us not focus on that and let's focus on one of the big names that is currently in town, or rather is not because he is not with the Jets currently at the workouts, Quinn and Williams. So Quinn and Williams doesn't report to his offseason workouts, which he said pretty much that he was going to do because he didn't have a new deal. That's been out there for quite some time, and then he did it. So I thought this was honestly going to be pretty much an, an understood thing by Jets fans and even just NFL fans across the landscape. And uh, boy, was I wrong, because now everybody, oh, Quinn and Williams, is there dissatisfaction? Is there blah, blah, blah? Like, th this is all because of the Rodgers trade it's the offseason's going as justin has said in slow motion i've compared it to watching a formula one race in slow motion where there's all this excitement but it's going at half speed and you're like you're in this weird middle ground and as a result the jets really haven't been able to cross a lot of their eyes across all of their t's and dot their eyes Close wow <laughs> off to a rip-roaring start <laughs> so they haven't been able to do that with 
Quinn and Williams. So eventually a deal is going to get done. Now looking at the defensive tackles that have signed this offseason, there have been a couple. The market has pretty much said the Aaron Donald contract is an aberration because Aaron Donald himself is an aberration, and no one's challenging that. The two deals I'm looking at are Deron Payne, who is not as good as Quinn and Williams, getting four years, $90 million from the Washington Commanders with $55 million guaranteed at signing. That is a big chunk of change. And then Jeffrey Simmons, a guy who I would say is kind of on Quinn and Williams' level, or maybe a little better, depending. I don't think he is, but I could see how you can make that argument. He signs a four-year, $94 million deal with the Tennessee Titans. So right there is Quinnen's market. It's been done for the Jets already. They know what to pay for him. It's going to be four years, not quite $100 million, but in that 20, eh, 22 to $23 million a year range, a good chunk of it guaranteed. This thing will get done. I'm confident about it. Anyone freaking out over this is really just trying to make a mountain out of a molehill, in my opinion. Yeah, I don't think there's any reason to be concerned. I, I tried to get ahead of it, too. Like, a few days before the Jets' offseason program started, I tweeted out something along the lines of, like, Quinn Williams isn't going to show up for the offseason program. He made that very clear in January when he said, rightfully so, and he has no reason that he has to show up for this stuff, that he wouldn't show up for the offseason program, for OTAs, anything voluntary, without a contract, right? The interesting part comes if mandatory minicamp comes around in the middle of June and he still doesn't have a deal because then the Jets could theoretically, I don't think they would, but they theoretically could uh, fine Quinn Williams if he doesn't show up for that. I want to believe and I want to hope that we don't get to mid-June and Quinn Williams still doesn't have an extension, but we don't know. Like the last we had heard is that there's not really a ton of progress on deals or on an extension, on extension talks. I don't think the two sides have talked a lot about it. I think it's kind of been like they understand where the market is and they understand what it's probably going to cost, but like you mentioned, Mike, and like I've said in the past, everything is kind of moving in slow motion right now because of the Aaron Rodgers deal. So hopefully that happens next week. Hopefully that during the draft or before the draft or whenever or shortly after the draft, whatever it is, hopefully that Rodgers deal gets done soon. Because once that happens, then the Jets can get into like guys, signing guys like Ben Jones or whoever and, and extending Quinny Williams. Uh, the worst case scenario is if the Rodgers thing drags out after the draft and now you're getting to mid-June and Quinn Williams is supposed to report and, and he still doesn't have an extension. That's when it's that's when I would be concerned. If it's getting into even, even past minicamp, training camp is when I'll be concerned. If we're getting to mid-July, towards the end of July, and Quinn Williams still is not extended, I would be concerned. And I, quite frankly, I'd be upset. I would be upset with the Jets for not doing that because – Quinn Williams is everything of the player that, you know, that's that's the type of player to you extend. That's the type of player that you pay. And unfortunately, the Jets haven't had a lot of those players over the last decade or so, right? Like there's the whole stat about they haven't signed. What's the last, when's the last first round pick that they re-signed? Is it, it's, it's, is it Muhammad Wilkerson? Is that it the- has to be Wilkerson. No, Wilkerson. did Sheldon Richardson get extended or did he get traded before that? I think he got traded before. I think, I think Wilkerson is the last first round pick that they have ex- given an extension to, which is utterly absurd. He was, and what, then he 20- sucked on the second half of the contract. I know, right? Well, he was 2011 Wilkerson. Was that the draft? That was 2011. That was, I think after the second AFC championship game. And yep. then, the Jets, let's just say things haven't gone great for the Jets since that pick. For sure. And like they've extended a cut. Like I think the only other draft picks that they've given multi-year extensions to over that time are Brian Winters and Quincy Anunma. I'm pretty sure that that's correct. Unless I'm forgetting one that just happened. Uh, like they've, they've re-signed like Nathan Shepard, right? But that's not like an extension. It's a one-year re-signing. Like that's, I wouldn't classify that in the same category. So it's bad. Like the, the, the recent history is bad. Quinn and Williams is a legitimate all-pro player. 
And in terms of if we're talking contract projections, I think he's going to be even higher than what you what you think he is, Mike. Like I think he's going to be in that 25, 26 million dollar range per year because he's he was first team all pro last year. He was one of four players to receive defensive player of the year votes. He has that over Jeffrey Simmons. I, I you know you, you can try and debate like who is actually better. Quinton Williams has the pedigree more so than Jeffrey Simmons does. Uh, now maybe the Jets get some sort of a discount. I don't know if you want to call it that, but you know Quinton Williams obviously wants to stay here. His brother's here. It's he's made it very clear he's not leaving. Like the it's going to get done. I'm not concerned about it getting done at least at this time. But I I think it's going to be a lot. Like it's going to be a lot of money, and it's going to be the most expensive contract in Jets history. But given who Quinton Williams is and given his production. You know, it's hard to say he's not worth it. I think part of the reason fans have some ambivalence over this whole thing is Joe Douglas has developed a reputation as a guy who finds a price that he thinks is fair for a player, and he is freaking sticking to it. Mm-hmm. Maybe that's why the Aaron Rodgers trade is dragging on so long, because he has a price in his mind that he wants to pay, and you know what? I'm not just going to give in so we can get something done. This is what I think is fair. If you don't like it, buzz off. Now, he's not going to say tell the Packers to buzz off for Aaron Rodgers. He's done that in free agent negotiations. How many times have we heard that guys have been close to the Jets and then all of a sudden they end up somewhere else? He's not going to pull that crap with Quinn and Williams. Like, let's let's get real here for a second. Especially on a team where, as we've talked about in the past, Robert Sala places such an emphasis on his defensive line because he's not going to go and blitz seven, eight guys every single play like Greg Williams, especially in Hail Mary situations like Greg Williams did against the Raiders. This is a guy who trusts his team to play four down linemen and get pressure on the interior without a ton of extra moving part. Quinton Williams is ideal for that. In in fact, I remember when he got picked third, I remember there were rumors that when Salah was there, he was going to go over Bosa up until like right before the draft. That's that's how much respect that Robert Salah has for Quinton Williams, how important he is to this team. And the fact that this could finally just signal the beginning of a new Jets era if they sign him. Because it's like, we're, we're not just going to go and let guys sign four-year contracts with other teams. We're not going to go and let these draft picks just waste away. We're going to come in, and we're going to lock up our guys. And we're going to build a foundation on defense based around Quinn and Williams. That hasn't happened in over 10 years where they've been able to say that with a defensive player. They're not going to do anything that would jeopardize that, no matter what the optics look like. They're going to try and get this thing done. Yeah, no, I completely agree. Like, that's the precedent you have to set. That's the precedent you want to set. That's the precedent you have to set. You pay your all-pro players. You pay your homegrown all-pro players, and that's who Quinn Williams is. Obviously, the last homegrown all-pro player they had, that was it was Jamal Williams, and unfortunately, or Jamal Williams, Jamal Adams. Uh, and obviously, that one, you know, there was, there was some – other uh, factors at play, I suppose. Uh, but they're going to extend Quinn Williams. I have no concerns about it. It's just a matter of, of when, right? Like it's a matter of when. Hopefully it happens soon. But him not showing up to, to off-season program, I, I have no concerns about that. If Aaron Rodgers was here right now, I don't even think he would be there. I mean, that would be it would be unprecedented if he was because he wasn't there for the last, you know, upteen amount of years in, in Green Bay. He hadn't been going there. Uh, it's not it's not a concern to me. It's not. It shouldn't be a concern to anybody. Again, if this drags out into mid-June, into July, and he's not extended, that's when it's a concern. But right now, it's whatever. It's going to happen. I do think when all is said and done, he will be the second highest paid defensive tackle in football behind Aaron Donald. I'm imagining something like 60, 65 million in guarantees, maybe 25 million a year, 26 million a year, something like that. Like I think he's definitely going to get more than Deron Payne and Jeffrey Simmons. Uh, I do think he'll end up, I don't know what order they happen, but I think he'll get more than Dexter Lawrence. Definitely going to get more than Christian Wilkins and, and, and Oliver. Like those guys aren't 
they're not on that level. Dexter Lawrence and Jeffrey Simmons are, I think, the only two that you could put in, like, of the young defensive tackles that are getting paid that are on Quinn Williams' level or very close to it. Uh, and I still think he ends up with more than them because he has the leverage of saying it. No, sorry to use that word. Ah, I hate it. I hate that no, word. No, bad. All right. Sorry, sorry. Sorry. You we got your, your leverage, your leverage uh, accumulations for we the can, entire We can bleep that in post. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, like I think he has that in his bag where he could say, hey, I was first team all pro. Hey, I received a first place vote for defensive player of the year. One of only four players, I think, that that did that received a first place vote. So he has that over Simmons. He has that over Lawrence. And I think at the end of the day, he will be the second highest paid defensive tackle in football. I want to go to a comment really quick by a Hyder. I hope I'm pronouncing that right. Uh, Hyder Ali over in the YouTube chat, which, by the way, if you're watching on YouTube, feel free to drop some thoughts over in the chat. He said Nicole Lynn, just, uh, Nicole Lynn of course, is Quinn Williams' agent, who also was Jalen Hurts' agent. Just got that done. I believe he'll get $498 million with about 70 or 75 fully guaranteed. If he gets that much guaranteed, then I think Nicole Lynn's talents will be better served in like the United Nations because that is a ton of guaranteed money. I believe, if I remember spot track correctly, or spot rack, however you say it, the most guaranteed at signing for any defensive tackle deal is Deron Payne with Washington, who got uh, 55. Mm-hmm. So if he gets anywhere near that, that is a phenomenal job of negotiating. But at the same time, as good as Deron Payne is, I think even the biggest Commanders fan out there will tell you Quinton Williams is better than Deron Payne. For sure. So I think he's got a really high floor to negotiate from. If he gets that much up front, that is a home run contract for him. Yeah. As a quick shout out, shout out Nicole Lynn, because it's awesome seeing like her come up over the last few years. She's doing some awesome stuff out there. I think Quentin Williams was like her first huge like uh, um, pickup or whatever you want to call it. Right. And now she's got Jalen Hurts. Like she is making money this offseason. Uh, so good for her on that on that end. And yeah, I, I think. I think we're more likely to see the 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 guaranteed number there a little bit lower, uh, probably closer to like sixty to sixty five, like I was saying. But I think he'll end up getting more than the the ninety eight, right? I think it'll be more like four years, hundred and ten. What is that? How many? How much is that per year? Let me do math really quick. Four years. One ten divided by four, man. Twenty seven. Twenty seven and a half. So it'll probably be slightly lower than that. Maybe like one oh five, dude. I I haven't taken a math class oh. since high school. It has been like. A long time. Jeez, I hope your fourth grade teacher isn't watching this thing. No, we all have calculators now. It's fine. We all have calculators. It's, good. it's all all my work for nothing. I see. I was able to Google that super quick, and I just, it's fine. I, I didn't need to do the math. Math, we're fine. Uh, but yeah, I, I think we're looking more like four years, one hundred five, something like that, and like sixty, sixty-five million guaranteed. I think that's what they'll end up, you know, meeting on. And I think he will be the second highest paid defensive tackle in football, and he deserves it. And I hope he gets his money because he definitely deserves it. Now let's go to something that requires even more math, talking about more contracts. In this case, David Bakhtiari. Really? David Bakhtiari with the Jets? You bet, because there was a uh, quote from Rob Domofsky, I believe if I'm pronouncing that right, yep, over on uh, the Rich Eisen show, because he was asked if Bakhtiari, who is as close with Aaron Rodgers as anybody, as any teammate he's played with, maybe with the exception of Randall Cobb, who was linked to the Jets for God knows how long, would he be interested in coming to the Jets? Domofsky said that he doesn't really think he'd be included in any sort of Aaron Rodgers trade package, but he said, I'd be willing to bet that Bakhtiari would love to be a part of that deal. And this all comes to, here. here's my views on the Bakhtiari thing, because I think given his cap situation, how much money he's owed, for example, he's owed, uh, it'd be a $21 million cap hit if they get rid of him. They could get rid of him, I think, the year after that for a little bit less. 
it wouldn't be as financially uh, crippling. So if Aaron Rodgers plays a second season, which I I think he will, I th- don't think they're going to go through all of this hubbub for one season of Aaron Rodgers. I think the Jets are probably going to get two solid years out of Aaron Rodgers. This now opens the door for them to potentially grab Bakhtiari for the 2024 season. And just, and that, then there's your left tackle. Now, I don't, it comes with some concerns because Bakhtiari has only played 12 games in the last two seasons due to a bunch of different injuries. He's not the all pro player he was early on, but I still think he's an above average player when he's healthy. This may not be something that can happen this year. But Joe Douglas definitely put a little rabbit ear on this because he knows that after this year, if he doesn't take an offensive tackle in the first round, which I think there's a good chance that they don't, that Makai Becton, who knows what's going to happen with him, and I'd imagine this is it for Dwayne Brown. So the tackle room could get totally cleaned out. That's as good of a replacement, I think, as you can hope for. Yeah, there are there are so many variables going forward with the offensive line room. It's hard to predict what it's even going to look like this year, let alone next year. Um, but I, I do know with, with the Bakhtiari thing, like they can't trade for him this year. He's not going to be included in any Aaron Rodgers trade package, even if he might want to be. That's it's cool to hear that he might want to be. Uh, but it's I, always I, good I, to hear guys come to want to play for the Jets. That, I know. that hasn't happened for ten years. I know. I just hope it actually happens. Like you know, Odell really wanted to play for the Jets, but here we are. Uh, I, I know that. I know there's other reasons for that. I know. I know. Um, although it's, you know, after what you heard what Ndamukong Sue said, obviously recently where he was like, he said he didn't want to come to the Jets because he didn't think they were true contenders. Right. Did you see that? Yeah. Ndamukong Sue, the guy who steps on people has good decision-making skills. He's the, the Draymond Green of the NFL. Uh, sorry, <laughs> topical. I had to, um, but, uh, but yeah, it is, it is always nice to hear a, a great player like David Bakhtiari say they want to come to the Jets. I believe it was, it was Ken Ingles on, on Twitter, you know, the Packers cap guru basically said it's impossible. Like the, the Packers, um, they, they restructured Bakhtiari's contract already this off season. So he's not going to be traded. Like they, if he, was going to be traded it would be a mid-season trade it can't it's not going to happen before week one he will be on the Packers week one roster but maybe as a mid-season acquisition or as a future acquisition next year sure I'd be all for it again there's so many variables you know he he tore his ACL a couple of years ago he played I think one game in 2021 because of that he played 11 games last year 10 games last year and then even before that he, he hasn't played a full 16 17 game season in like four years. So injuries have definitely taken their toll, but when he's on the field, he's still one of the best left tackles in football. And I think that that's very clear. Packers fans know that, Um, but they kind of are entering a new era in green Bay. And I would not be surprised at all. If Bakhtiari is not on the Packers roster in 2024, maybe if Rodgers is still around with the jets, if Nathaniel Hackett is still here, because he's obviously, he has connections to Hackett and Hackett. Everyone loves Hackett. Apparently everyone has ever played for him. Uh, so may, maybe, maybe they can, they can convince him to come then. I don't know. We'll see. It's not going to happen now, but we'll see what the, the offensive tackle room looks like next year. Maybe there's a, you know, a, a young piece. Maybe they draft someone at, at pick 13 this year. Maybe Mekhi Becton can turn it around. And if that's the case, you don't need Bakhtiari. You have Becton and you have a rookie, but there's obviously a lot of variables with Becton. There's a lot of variables with what they're going to do in the first round. Dwayne Brown is still hanging around. You still have Max Mitchell. So we'll see what happens. But it's cool to know that that's potentially an option for the future. Even if Becton ends up panning out, let's just take this scenario. Let's look at this. One of the possible futures that the Jets could go down. So Becton's your right tackle. I think that's pretty... They're going to go forward. I think Becton is the right tackle for this year. We don't know how long he'll be there. We don't know if he'll be good. I'm pretty sure he's going to be the guy week one over there, which means that a lot of 
mock draft prognosticators are saying, oh, well, they could get their left tackle at 13, and then boom, tackles are set for a while. Well, let's bring this scenario in. Let's just say the Jets have earmarked Bakhtiari. Maybe they get him in a midseason trade. Maybe they get him in uh, the 2024 offseason. Let's just say that they want David Bakhtiari as their 2024 left tackle, protecting his friend Aaron Rodgers and whoever succeeds Aaron Rodgers. Because he's st- I think he's still got a couple years left. He's not going to play one more year and retire. I think he's got a couple more years of high-end play left. I think that could influence them enough to pass on a tackle at 13 just off that alone and say, look, I know that Dwayne Brown is not what he was. He's still an above-average tackle, or at least an average tackle. The team loves him. The coaching staff loves him. He's incredibly well-respected. Let's just ride it out for this year, and then when Bakhtiari becomes available, we'll snatch him up, and then there's left tackle for the next three seasons. I think that that's a possibility they could definitely consider. Now, if they get an offensive tackle at 13, that might bring an end to the Bakhtiari thing because I feel like they're just going to roll with the new guy. If they pass on him, you might be able to start those Jets Bakhtiari photoshops because I think they'd really be looking at him strongly. I bet they're already out there. I bet there's already somewhere out there. And with the same Rogers great kazoo helmet. Hope so. Oh, I can we do every uh, Jets Photoshop like that from now on? All of them with the little tiny head and the huge helmet. It's just look. It looked better on him because he's so big. Oh, they're so good. I need. I need every. I want to commission someone to. I'm not. I'm not actually saying this, but I do want to commission someone to like make every Jets Photoshop like that from now on because they're so good. Um, (laughs) I, I think Bakhtiari is more of like a. Maybe this happens in the future, and if it does, cool. I don't think it's like him potentially being available would influence their plans for 2023. I, I don't think they're going to think of it that way because he himself is a question mark. Like it's not like, oh, we're definitely going to get, you know, we definitely have the potential to get this all pro left tackle. If he, what if he suffers in like, what if he tears his ACL again this year? What if he has another injury and he misses the whole year? Well, now well, he has, what if Aaron Rodgers gets hurt? That's like you can't predict. Well, no, of course, but, but obviously Bakhtiari has a recent injury history. He's had you know an ACL a couple years ago. He hasn't played a full season in like four years. If he has another injury riddled campaign, how much can you even rely on him going forward? Right. So I th- I don't think he would be any like I don't think he'd be someone that influences their current plans. I think he'd be more someone that hey maybe he's an option down the line, and it's cool to know we have that option. It is really like I don't, I don't want to get on a tangent, but it's so interesting to think of like what the Jets are doing at thirteen because I I genuinely don't know. Like I want to say tackle, but like you already you do have Dwayne Brown and Mackay Becton, and if you do draft a tackle. I don't know. Like one of those guys is sitting. One of those guys is, is going to sit. And I don't want it to be Becton. You know, if Becton is healthy and, and he comes back, and like he looks motivated. He looks great right now. And that's not someone I want on the bench, right? But Dwayne Brown, you know, you're paying him $10 million this year to hopefully be your left tackle. And then he was hurt a lot of last year. So to hope he's going to be better this year. I don't know. It's a weird situation all around. I don't, I don't want to get on a tangent there, but it, it's a weird situation. We'll get into tangent. Uh, I think next week's show is going to be the big draft extravaganza. Sure. We can get into as many tangents as possible. The only reason I think that the Bakhtiari potentially being available could influence the Jets this year is because not only is Aaron Rodgers particularly like he's put out some feelers of like, I'd love it if I have Odell. I love it if I had this guy. I love to play with Nathaniel Hackett. He loves to mention guys that he would like to play with. And all quarterbacks do that. I mean, look at what Tampa Bay did with Tom Brady. I mean, Tom Brady was basically the assistant GM. Get me Akeem Hicks. Okay. Get me Antonio Brown. Okay. But with with no, that's just how guys operate. You don't think if Aaron Rodgers is coming to the Jets, he's not saying get me freaking David Bakhtiari if he's available at all. I think that if they're that 
pot committed to Aaron Rodgers. I think they're going to give him some influence in personnel. Not that he's going to be the GM, but I think they're maybe consult him on guys. Hey, would you like to play with this guy? What do you think of that guy? And I think once he gets that influence, I think he might be in a position where he could say, I want David Bakhtiari if he's available. That's why, that's why I'm thinking that he could have that much of an influence, even on this current draft. Maybe. I'm sure he will have a say. And like you mentioned, that is totally normal. Like, it's not unprecedented at all for a, a future Hall of Fame quarterback to come in and potentially have a say in some of the roster decisions. It's not being a diva. It's just how no. things work. We saw it with Peyton Manning in Denver. We saw it with Tom Brady in Tampa. Now we're seeing it with Aaron Rodgers in, in the Jets, you know, assuming he is traded to the Jets, which technically hasn't happened yet. Uh, but that's that's totally normal. And I, I do think that a lot like some of their their roster moves this offseason have been influenced by that. Obviously, they went out and signed Alan Lazard. They brought in Tim Boyle as the potential backup quarterback. They hired Nathaniel. I know you love Tim Boyle. They hired Nathaniel. Oh, he's my favorite quarterback, man. I love 34 interceptions and 15 touchdowns. Can't get was, enough of it. He was, uh, he was an okay quarterback at Eastern Kentucky. No, he wasn't. He wasn't even okay. He was below <laughs> average. Um, yeah, I, 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 we don't got to get into Tim Boyle tangent again. Um, but yeah, like I, I, I think he's obviously clearly had some say in the roster decisions this offseason. That said, they haven't made every move that he supposedly wanted, right? Even if that like supposed wish list wasn't him saying, hey, sign these guys. Clearly, he probably hinted at, I'd love if these guys were also in New York with me. And some of those guys on that list, Odell Beckham, that didn't happen. Obviously, the Jets had a lot of interest, but that didn't happen. Randall Cobb's still out there. Mercedes Lewis is still out there. I don't think the Jets are going to make either of those moves. It doesn't seem likely. So it's not like they're just making every move that Rodgers might have hinted at wanting. Obviously, Doc Bakhtiari is on a completely different tier than Mercedes Lewis and, and Randall Cobb. Um, it's cool. Like I said, it's just it's just a little bit, right? But it's it's awesome to know that he wants that he would potentially want to be traded to the Jets, that he would love to be reunited with Aaron Rodgers. And it's great that that might be an option for the future. It's just so there's so many variables before we get to that point. And I don't think the Jets are going to make any decisions based on what potentially could maybe possibly happen with David Bakhtiari in 2024. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Now, as we shift gears, because we've talked a lot about Jets, the Jets making offseason acquisitions or trying and failing to make offseason acquisitions. All of this is done in the name of gunning for that division title. And unfortunately, the Jets have the misfortune of being in one of the toughest divisions in football. You have the New England Patriots, who as long as Bill Belichick is going to be there, they're going to give you their best punch. You got the Miami Dolphins who are loading up on players, and I really like what Mike McDaniel's doing offensively. And then the Buffalo Bills, who are just a juggernaut because Josh Allen by himself can win you games. 
I mean, I'm sure you've seen the tweets from Packers fans. All this to finish third, the AFC East. Like, like we laugh at that. If the Bills are that good and Miami's offense takes off again, eh, not a non-zero chance exactly of that happening. So let's just take a minute to look at what these three have done in the offseason to see are they threats to the Jets? Are the Jets better than them now officially? Where do they really stand? So I'm going to start with the evil empire over in New England because I actually do like some of the signings that they've made. I know that giving James Robinson a multi-year contract was ridiculous, but I think Juju Smith-Schuster for the same amount of money as Alan Lazard, pretty good new number one receiver, I would say. Riley Reef, I think he still has some gas left in the tank. Mike Gesicki, I'm a big fan of. I thought he just was underutilized in Miami schematically. He lands there and out of team with uh, Hunter Henry. I feel like there's enough pieces that they've brought in. The defense is always going to be good. It's Bill Belichick. Just by osmosis, they're going to be okay. Bill O'Brien, finally a real offensive coordinator. He's not amazing, but he's a thousand times better as a coordinator than Matt Patricia. The Jets just need – this depends so much on Mac Jones, and how that's how much the Jets view him as a threat. That's going to really determine New England's ceiling because Mac Jones last year regressed hard. Now, part of that was he had a defensive coordinator, a bad one, calling his plays. But also now, I think the Jets do need to at least worry about New England because even with all of that crap that went on last year, they're in the playoff hunt until the very end. With Mac Jones and Bailey Zappi flip-flopping and Matt Patricia and they didn't have coordinators and every time they were asked about it, Belichick gave this weird, like, what do you care answer. It's like, well, we want to know who the coordinator is. It's a pretty standard question. We're not being, We're not giving you a hard time here. Even with all that, they were okay. I think Mac Jones is going to be better this year. And honestly, against the Jets, he was not terrible. He played okay considering how good the Jets' defense was and how little he had on the offensive side. I think New England did enough where the Jets just can't assume, like, oh, yeah, the Patriots are just going to go and this is the end of the Belichick dynasty and they're probably going to be the last place team. No way. That is foolish. I agree. I definitely agree. You can't overlook them. I think that they're clearly on paper the fourth, assuming that the Rodgers trade happens. I think they're clearly on paper the fourth best team in the AFC East. I think they're they're clearly in terms of talent level and everything. Just they're just not on the same level uh, as the other three teams. But they're not going to be walkovers. Like they're not going to be the the Houston Texans, right? Like this is not going to be a, a disastrous uh, team. At least you wouldn't expect so. Uh, any team that's that's you know led by Bill Belichick, because for as many faults as Belichick has as a talent evaluator, as a general manager, whatever you want to say he's a hell of a coach. Like he's still one of the best coaches of all time. Uh, and so any team that's led by Belichick is still going to be competitive. I don't know what Mac Jones is going to be in 2023. I really don't. There's a lot of reports coming out of that organization that the team is mentally checked out from him. They've moved on, even if they're going to stick with him, that they don't, you know, there were, there were, there's been a lot of damning reports coming out about Mac Jones last or over the last few weeks and months. I don't know if that stuff is intentionally being leaked. I don't know what the Patriots plan is, but it does still seem like Mac Jones is the quarterback in 2023. I do think he'll be better because he does have a better play caller. Like Bill Bryan, Bill O'Brien, again, for all of his faults that he had as a head coach is still a hell of a play caller. Like he's a very, very, very intelligent offensive mind. So that's a massive upgrade over the duo of Matt Patricia and Joe judge. Uh, so at least I think they're doing oh, yeah, something you're right. Joe judge was like, the yeah, quarterback's coach, but he also was the coordinator and did yeah. some special team stuff on the side. It's like, have a guy do a job, Bill. Yeah. <laughs> they took a, a a DC turned fail head, failed head coach and a special teams coordinator turned fail head coach and made them run the offense. Like that was their plan for last year. 
crazy. I, it's just, it's truly, it's mind boggling. But uh, I do think he'll be better. I do really like the Mike Kosicki signing. I think that was a good move for them. That was probably my favorite uh, external addition they made. James Robinson's whatever. You know, we'll see if he has anything left in the tank. Maybe a year removed from the the Achilles injury because now he's had a couple of years. Uh, the Juju signing is nice. They brought in De- uh, Jabril Peppers, which is which is fine. Uh, Devin McCourty did retire, so that's a big loss to that defense. I still think they'll be a, they'll have a good defense, but that is that's a huge loss. Like it's 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 honestly hard to even imagine a Patriots defense without Devin McCourty, given how long he's been there. Um, but I, I think they're not walkovers, like you said. I do, I'm not concerned about them. I don't think they're winning the division. I think a playoff shot or a playoff opportunity is a unlikely situation for them. I, I think it's an unlikely outcome, but they're not going to be walkovers. And they're definitely a team that can steal some wins from the Jets and the, the Bills and the, the, you know, the Dolphins, like all three teams. I think all three teams, the Patriots can steal a game from. Uh, it's just they're not my biggest concern by any means. So let me play a little game with you quick. I want to do this for all three of the teams. Okay. So. I'm going to make up my own over-unders. I'm going to be my own Vegas here. So over-under for Patriots wins this year, let's say eight and a half. Where are you going? Uh, I'll take the under on that. Wow, okay. I don't don't think they're going to be above 500. I don't think Because if they're above 500, that means one of the other teams, presumably you'd expect one of the other teams in that division to be below 500. Right, that's that's the presumption here. It's just weird to pick a Bill Belichick team to be below. Like I was well, can't were, mentally do were, it. They were last year, no? Where they were last? They were last year, right? Nine and eight, and again, that was with it's one game against the Raiders, where Jacoby Myers just literally threw the game away and threw it right to Chandler Jones. So I even with they, that, dang, I forgot they finished nine and eight. Yeah, well, I, still, I, I don't think they're going to win nine games. I, they might, they very well might. Who knows? But I, I think it's a tough division. It's a, it's a tough division. The Jets, Dolphins and, and, and Bills are all pretty good teams. It's so weird. We're talking about like, this is, it feels so reverse. Uh, <laughs> but it, it, like, it's a tough division for the Patriots. They got to face the Jets, Bills and, and, and Dolphins. Uh, but it is, it legitimately is. And so I, I don't think they win. I don't think they win nine games. So now let's switch over to Miami who I'm going to be honest, like Patriots fans. It's like, I get it. Like I get that they can be a little bit annoying, but like when you, when you win like that, it's like, I, I, completely understand it like I, we just have to kind of take it man Miami was talking a lot of smack last season I know they made the playoffs but then they got there and then Buffalo kind of introduced them to what a playoff team really looks like I know the two I got hurt we'll get into that so Miami trading for Jalen Ramsey which regrettably I think is one of the best moves of the entire offseason because they did not give up a ton to get him and he may not be hundred percent of what Jalen Ramsey was at his peak, but if he's 85%, that's better than most of the cornerbacks in the league by a wide margin. And I have my doubts about their quarterback. We'll get into that. It's hard to imagine an offense, a passing offense led over by Mike McDaniel, Kyle Shanahan guy, offensive genius guy, Tyree kill and Jalen Waddle, who might be two of the four fastest guys in the league, both in their prime, both killing it. And a pretty good run game for mixing and matching backs. They always seem to be able to run the ball a little bit. Now, if they're all healthy, even if the Jets have Aaron Rodgers, there's no way you can just say that Miami's going to be the number three team either. Miami might be better because whenever they had Tua, they were winning games last year and they were winning games by a lot. The only reason they were where they were is because Skylar Thompson and Teddy Bridgewater just didn't fit the offense like Tua did. So Miami could either win 13 games or four games. It's literally that much of a knife edge, and it all hinges on Tua. 
And yeah. it's a shame because the Jets never really got to face Tua a ton last year. So we never really got to see like how that offense really operates like at its peak. Now, if, if two is healthy, I think that even with all the Jets, great secondary and all that, I think Tyreek Hill and Waddle are good enough where they could really give him a run for their money and give him a lot of trouble, personally. For sure. But again, he's just such an injury risk. You don't know. He's got so many concussions. He's got the hip thing. You just really don't know. For sure. I, I think the duo of, of Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle would give any cornerback duo ever in NFL history a lot of trouble. That's not a slight on Sauce Gardner and DJ Reed, who – for my money, are the best cornerback duo in the NFL. Uh, it's just that's how great they are, right? And, and the Dolphins are, are a really good football team. Like I think Jets fans or you know NFL fans or whoever, like they they kind of overlook that. But the Miami Dolphins are a very good football team. And Tua Tagovailoa played a really good football last year for most of the season. I know he had his injury troubles. I know he kind of kind of I don't want to say choked or whatever you want to say folded under pressure, whatever. He, he didn't come through in the end, uh, but he's still a good quarterback and he played very well last year. He really fits that system. Mike McDaniel did a hell of a job. I'm interested to see how t- NFL teams adapt to facing that scheme and that system in the second year. Uh, we see that a lot with, with offensive, offensive minds, offensive coordinators, whatever you want to say, offensive play callers. Right? That's the word I'm looking for, uh, where their first year, they, they find a lot of success. And the second year, teams kind of adapt. I'm really interested interested to see if that happens with Mike McDaniel. I believe in his talent and I believe in his his offensive mind. So I'd like to, as an NFL fan, hope that that wouldn't be the case, but maybe it is. Uh, the Jalen Ramsey move is one of the best moves of the entire offseason. Their secondary last year sucked. It was bad. Like Xavier Howard had a really bad year. Byron Jones was was hurt. Noah Igbenogany is bad. Like they, they had a lot of issues in that secondary. So bringing in a player who is genuinely still one of the best cornerbacks in football. I know there was some debate about that when he was traded. He is still an exceptional, exceptional player. Uh, legitimately a top five cornerback in the NFL in my, in my mind right now still. Um, I, I don't I don't buy anybody saying that he's fallen off. He's still a great, great player. So that's a huge addition to a defense that really needed help because their defense had some struggles. A lot of it's going to come down to how the offensive line plays. They had some injuries last year. They've, they've had inconsistency there for years now. Uh, it was better last year, but, you know, if someone like Teron Armstead could actually stay healthy, that would be huge because he played a good amount of last year, but he was playing through like three different injuries half those games. Like he was banged up. Uh, so having him healthy, having that offensive line healthy would be great. And then, of course, you know, two is staying healthy. Like that's that's it's going to all hinge on that. Now, they did sign Mike White. So if Tua does get hurt, it would be interesting. Not that I wish for that, of course, but it would be interesting to see what Mike White can do in that Mike McDaniel offense, throwing to Tyreek Hill, throwing to Jalen Waddell, throwing to Braxton Berrios. I think that would be protected by Dan Feeney. Protected by Dan Feeney, throwing to Robbie Anderson or Chosen Anderson. Chosen, Chosen. Chosen, whatever his name is now. However, he even, yeah, it's the third time he's changed his name uh, or second time was Robbie, then Robbie, then Chosen. Uh, Chosen. But uh, yeah, so they just, they signed all these former Jets. I actually did the math. I put out a tweet about this. Uh, It was, I think it's 10% of their current roster consists of former Jets players, which is pretty wild. The culture they're grabbing from. I know they also have Elijah Campbell, who who had previously spent some time with the Jets. And last year they had Brandon Shell, who started at right tackle for them for a lot of the year. Uh, of course, former draft pick in the Jets. So they, they have a lot of former Jets. They have made a, a point of signing former Jets. But 
Dolphins are a good team. I think they're a playoff team. I think they absolutely could be better than the Jets for sure. I think they could totally win that division because I don't think the Bills necessarily, we'll get to that in a moment, I don't think the Bills necessarily got better this offseason. You know, maybe they have a move left in them. But I, I, they, they to this point, I wouldn't say the Bills have gotten better. I do think the Dolphins have gotten better, especially with that Jalen Ramsey addition. So I think they're really a good football team, and I would not be surprised at all if they end up winning the AFC East. Now, knowing how to bring back to your go back to your Mike White point earlier, I think I know how it's going to go. He's going to come in and have an amazing game where he throws three touchdowns in his first game. He's going to be okay in his second one, and then he's going to get hurt in his third one, and then come back and be bad. Knowing how Mike White typically operates, can, can the can the bad game be against the Jets? Like as long as the good game's not against the Jets. Yeah, let's hope. I mean, we know he doesn't have the mobility to escape the pass rush for all the things he did well. He's not. I mean, my grandmother was as fast as him in a forty yard dash. And that O line is not is not. Like, I'm not confident in that O line protecting. So let's put all of that into the Mike over under machine omatic. Okay. And it comes yeah. out with trademark that. Yeah, it had to. I just had to pull the lever down for mm-hmm. added visual impact. Right. The over under is ten and a half for Miami. Over under if the Jets have Rodgers. Because ten was what I was thinking. Like I was thinking ten wins. That's that's what my mind was. I was like ten and seven seems pretty good for them. I'll say, I'll say under because of the uncertainty with Tua's injury history. That is why I say that. But if Tua is healthy for 17 games and he plays as well as he did for most of last year, I could totally see him winning 11, even 12 games. I could totally see that. But I'll say under. I mean, it's if he doesn't retire, if you've heard those comments earlier today about Tua thinking about retiring. I mean, right. do you hear that from a guy who's how old is he, 25? Yeah. He, that's, he, that's a scary he said, quote. Yeah, he said he had considered retiring after the injuries last you know, last year, which is fair because the dude has had – a ton of concussions. Of course, you know, yeah, I get I, it. I would never ever wish that on him. I, I wish him all the best. But it, like, God forbid, he does suffer another concussion this year. That is devastating to him. His a person, like him. It, obviously, his career, but him as a person. So I don't blame him at all for thinking that. And just because of those concerns that I have, I'll say the under. Like, I'll, I'll take the under on that. And now we go to the big bad, the reigning division champion. The Buffalo Bills, who have had kind of a quiet offseason. I mean, Taylor Rapp and bringing back Jordan Poyer have been pretty much their biggest moves. They've been linked to some potential blockbusters, some potential big moves involving a certain receiver in Arizona. But for now, that's really all the Buffalo Bills have ended up doing. They remind me of those mid-2010s Raptors that keep winning 55, 56 games, and they would go play LeBron, i.e., Patrick Mahomes to complete the analogy and then get or Joe Burrow and then get toasted in the postseason. And here my only that's the only reason I'm a little ambivalent about Buffalo is because for as good of an infrastructure as they have, like Josh Allen, a fantastic quarterback, Stefan Diggs, a fantastic receiver, the defense as a whole, pretty good. I know they probably need some more defensive linemen, a bigger pass rush presence. I think as a complete unit. It's definitely well above average. I think Sean McDermott's gotten a lot of unfair crap. I think he's a pretty good coach. But also, it seems like they're just banking on continuity again. And Oh, well, if we run it back this year with the same guys, maybe things will be different. I feel like they've tried that for the last two years, and it hasn't really worked. Now, if it's good enough to win the division, I think they've proven it is more than good enough to win the division. Even if the Jets end up with Rodgers, I still think Buffalo would probably be the favorite to win that division. I still am not sure if they're a championship team, though, even with Josh Allen in his prime. I just think that there's they have too much of the old formula that hasn't worked. Yeah, but right now the bills have gotten worse. 
I think the other three teams in the division have gotten better this offseason. The Bills have gotten worse, which you tend to see that, obviously, with a team that is that is so you know tight against the cap. They are paying a lot of star players. It makes sense. They lost Tremaine Edmonds. That's a big loss. Like I know they were never going to be able to pay him what he got, but that's a big loss to that defense. He's a very, very good young player. Um, so they they just overall got worse. I don't necessarily see them by any means as a lock. Maybe they're favored to win the division still over the Jets and Dolphins, but I would not be surprised at all if if the Jets or Dolphins uh, did end up winning that division. I would be surprised about the Patriots, but I wouldn't be surprised if the Jets or Dolphins won that division. They, like you said, their their pass rush is still is still a potential weakness. They don't really have a linebacker next to Matt Milano that I'd trust now. Uh, their secondary, obviously, they still have Tredavious White. They still have some good pieces. They've re, they re-signed Jordan Poyer, which that was a huge deal because I know a lot of Bills fans thought they were going to lose Jordan Poyer. They ended up bringing him back on a very reasonable deal. But also, like looking at that offense, they still don't have a good wide receiver, too. They have Stephon Diggs, and that's it. I don't trust any other guy in that in that in that pass cut, pass catching corpse right. That, Leading that, the Gabe Davis hate train. I see. I'm not a Gabe. Gabe Davis is not good. Like he <laughs> just as an overall statement, I think he is a a low very a low end number two. He's a high, I think he's a fine number three. He's not a number two receiver. I think he's probably in that Corey Davis tier, right? That's not a guy you want as your number two wide receiver, especially when you don't really have like I, Dawson Knox is fine. He still has his inconsistencies. I know he's he can have his his great games, but he he drops a lot of passes. He's not a super reliable guy. I like James Cook out of the backfield, but it's just the the skill position group is is uninspiring outside of Stephon Diggs. Now that could change, and I, I tweeted this out yesterday too because I know uh, DeAndre Hopkins is obviously still out there. The Jets don't seem to have interest, and it appears that that is mutual because it does not sound like Hopkins wants the Jets either. However, breaking, I know, right? I mean, I we've talked about this last week that I want DeAndre Hopkins. I very much want DeAndre Hopkins, uh, and it would make me even sadder if at the end of the day he ends up getting traded to the Buffalo Bills because that is one of the like that is probably their biggest missing piece is a second. Uh, pass catcher. They just don't have a good, like they don't have a, a good second pass catcher. Knox is fine. Uh, Gabe Davis is fine. They don't have a good second pass catcher. DeAndre Hopkins is a great second pass catcher. I mean, Stephon Diggs and DeAndre Hopkins. Are you kidding me? That's insane. Like, thank God the Jets have Sauce Gardner and DJ Reed if that happens because you're now facing Tyree Kill and Jalen Waddle and Stephon Diggs and DeAndre Hopkins, both, both of those twice a year. That's crazy. That's a quarter of your schedule. That yeah, that's crazy. Oh. And then obviously, then you get the like you know Juju or whatever in the, the Patriots. But still, <laughs> you know, like, but still, that's that's insane. That's so good. So obviously, if they make that move, my honestly, my thought process in the entire Bills, you know, their their outlook for the entire twenty twenty three season changes in my mind. I immediately go from from saying, mm, you know, I guess they're still favors to win a division, but maybe you know, maybe the like I, I that's where I, where I'm at with the Bills right now is. I think they're going to win the division right now, but I would not be surprised at all if they didn't. And I wouldn't be surprised if they won like nine or 10 games. I, I, I wouldn't. It would be like a disappointment for sure, but there are legitimate holes in that roster that they haven't been able to address. If they get DeAndre Hopkins, I'm saying that they're one of the, the Super Bowl favorites. Because all right, that's so let, that, let me exactly. put all of that into the over under Omatic. <laughs> Little little lever Foley animation Let's right there. Let it in post. Let it in post. Oh, hey, you know what? Pretty good for on the fly. Sure. So now I have two results for you. So this comes without Hopkins, and this comes with Rodgers to the Jets. Right. 11 and a half over under. Without Hopkins? Without Hopkins. I'll see. Ooh, this is a tough 11 one. was my number again. Like, you're doing this again. But I'm going to say... <laughs> 
I'm going to still say over. I think with Josh Allen, I think they I think they win 12 games. Oh, okay. Now yeah. with Hopkins, 12 and a half oh, over under. Man. man, it's tough. Because I mean that duo, as you alluded to, I mean how many duels in NFL history would be that good? I know the Jets have a great secondary, but that thing would be a nightmare. Obviously, he has to stay healthy and stuff. And right. I still think that they have some holes in that defense. But twelve and a half. I'll, I'll say over. I'll say over. Oof. I'll say over. It's uh, that's that's crazy. Like that's a super high over, and that's probably still honestly. I should have picked under for both, but whatever. I'll stick to it. This is April night. It's April. Like, stick it's to your awful. guns. It's April nineteenth. These are all binding for the rest of the rest of time. Yeah, I I am I, I reserve the right to change my beliefs. I'll also, you reserve the right to change your micomatic. What did you call it, Mike? Over under matic, man. I worked for I worked I'm for sorry. hours making that thing. I was distracted by the 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 pizzazz and everything. I, I, didn't, I didn't catch <laughs> the name. Uh, but yeah, I reserve the right to change my opinions. But for now, I'll say I'll say. And we reserve the right to change topics. And I'm exercising that right onto our weekly draft spotlight. The best transition, for sure. Because our weekly draft spotlight is going to have a little bit of a local twist this time. We are going to be looking at prospects. Now, full disclosure, I know that there is some a bit of an argument over what the tri-state area is. Some say New York, New Jersey, Pennsylvania. Some say New York, New Jersey, Connecticut. No matter where... that argument is going to go on till the end of time. So we're going to say, we're going to combine them. We're going to look at prospects kind of in the local area. who have gone to local schools that the jets could potentially add. And I'm going to focus on an offensive tackle that they are not going to take in the first round. But since they have two second round picks, I think he could be a great target at either 43 or 44 or 42 or 43. Or if they trade down, I think he's a really good fit. And that is Matthew Bergeron over at Syracuse, French Canadian from Quebec. And then he comes up coming to Syracuse. You bet. Now he is a little bit raw technique wise. His hand placement, not very good. His footwork is pretty much what you don't want tackles to do at times. There were a lot of games where he was playing well, but just winning on pure power and pure athleticism, which in the NFL, when everybody has pure power and pure athleticism, you're not going to be able to do as consistently. So he's a little bit raw, but if Dwayne Brown and Mekhi Becton are going to be the starting tackles, you don't need to throw them into the fire immediately, meaning you can get a nice developmental tackle that could eventually take over down the line, and if he clicks, boy, oh boy, does he have traits that could really help the Jets out really physical run blocker, really good in open space, which is going to be very important for Nathaniel Hackett and his offense. He's got great anchor and pass protection. He's a little bendy. He's not going to let just pure speed edge rushers run right by him. Very athletic for a guy his size. If he clicks and he gets a little, a little better technique wise, which are things again, you can teach. It's not something physical where he just has it or he doesn't. These are all teachable things. You don't even need like a Dante Scarnecchia to really get a hold of them. I think the Jets could do it by themselves. If he everything comes together, he might be a long-term starter, and you could snag that in the 40s rather than using 13 on him. Yeah, I like his versatility. Like He has experience playing both left and right tackle. 
because of the the footwork stuff too, I wonder if a team would be willing to try him at guard. Like I could totally see him making that transition to like a zone blocking guard. You know, I, I think he could do it. Uh, and potentially there might be an opening after this year. If Lakin Tomlinson is gone after 2023, which could happen, uh, you have that flexibility with him. So I, I think that that makes sense as a guy who might not start right away, but totally could and could potentially develop into a long-term starter. So I, I do like that shout. Uh, the guy I am looking at this week, is Penn State safety Jair Brown from Trenton, New Jersey. So I know shout out Trent Central, baby. You know, Jersey boy, which you know that 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 definitely lines up with you. Uh he went to Lackawanna College in, in Pennsylvania. So he's like a JUCO guy. Uh ended up starting a couple years at Penn State. Really versatile guy. Like they used him all over the field at Penn State. Uh great ball skills as well. He led his team in interceptions as both a junior and senior. I think he had 10 interceptions over the last two years, something like that. I think when I watch his tape, like the one thing that like he he is a tone setter. That is kind of the vibe I get from him. He is just everything that a coach wants in a player on the field. And I think someone that Robert Sala would absolutely fall in love with. Uh, just a very, I think, and I know coaches have, have raved about his coachability, whatever you want to call it. He was a leader of that Penn State defense. Uh, I think he's a very good downhill safety, but he also has the athleticism to, to, to hold up in coverage. They used him at single, as a single high safety sometimes at Penn State as well. So they used him in every conceivable role uh, and a very interchangeable, versatile player. I think he's probably more of like a you know third-round guy, definitely a day-two guy. Uh, but in a weak safety class, I think he's someone that I definitely would like the Jets to potentially maybe target, maybe take a chance on. Uh, he could f- physically match up with tight ends and coverage. Like He's got that physicality to him. I think – the one part of his game I'd, I'd like to see him work on the most is he, he's a, he's pretty inconsistent with his tackling. Like he he kind of has Jordan Whitehead syndrome from time to time where he'll overrun plays or he just he's not super disciplined. That is something that's correctable. Obviously, we've seen it in the past where, it, you know, someone like Ashton Davis, it's just never fixed. Uh, but it is correctable. And I think the the physical tool, the physical tools and just who he is as, a, as a, you know, his character and everything. Uh, and that versatility makes him a very interesting target for the Jets. You know, they 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 could look to bring in a safety in the draft. They don't really have a true free safety on the roster. And not that Jair Brown is that, but I think he's a versatile enough guy that they could find a place for him in that defense, even playing early in his rookie season. So I, I like him uh, as one of my favorite safeties in this class, probably. And, you know, it helps that he's from from the local area. One of my, I think, favorite analogies I've made in this draft class is that Brown reminds me of watching like a Rottweiler play football. Mm. He's just got this nasty streak. He can fly into plays and just, I mean, he has some tackling concerns. When he hits guys, He they stay hit. He yeah. hits through them. Like Quincy Williams. <laughs> like Quincy Williams, except this guy's a safety with extra speed. Now, right. of course, that could lead to some problems where a quarterback, that was the biggest thing with him was that quarterbacks very easily can post-snap manipulate him by looking around. He'll fly around a bit, which you do that in the NFL a lot. That's a good way to earn a ticket to the bench. See a milliner comma D that'll ha- that'll happen a lot. Now I, I do feel like Robert Sala has got enough, you know, coaching acumen to coach that out of him. At least I think because Jordan Whitehead was still doing that. As so, was Ashton Davis, you know, yeah, but I, I Davis was still doing that. Well, also sometimes like guys just are who they are. So yeah. even if the jets just put up with that a little bit and you know what, and say, you know what? He's going to have a couple plays like this. There's still so much good he brings to the table as a leader, a hitter, mm-hmm. and a guy who can make plays on the ball. Yeah, I think that would be a fantastic selection for the Jets. Dude, tell me Sala wouldn't fall in love with this dude. Like, I, I, I watch him. He's just, he strikes me as a Robert Sala type player, you know? And with that, we are going to officially call time on this show. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. 
We had a pretty nice YouTube audience throughout the stream. Thank you guys so much for, as always, using the chat and checking in on us. As always, you can find us over at Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Overcast, wherever it is that you get your podcasts. You can download us there. You can also subscribe to us on YouTube at the Jet Press. You get all the streams over there. You get all our shorts, and you get Justin's prospect interviews all in one place for your convenience. Justin, you can take us home. Yes, sir. I, I appreciate the shout out there at the end. Yeah, if you haven't already, I know I mentioned it at the you know at the beginning of the show, but definitely check out. Uh, we had a few interviews come out. I did one with Thomas Morstead last week. That was great. Uh, one with LSU defensive back Jarek Bernard Converse. That just came out yesterday, I think. And we might have a couple more on tap as well. So make sure you subscribe, like, notification bell. You guys know what to do. You know all that stuff. Thank you all for joining us on the show today. You can follow Mike on Twitter at ByMikeLuciano. Follow me on Twitter at Justin T. Freed. Follow the Jet Press on Twitter at the Jet Press. Download the Jet Press podcast wherever you get your podcast, as Mike already mentioned. Uh, and yeah, subscribe on YouTube. You know, like, notification bell, and you guys know the stuff. You know what to do. We stream live every Wednesday at 3 p.m. Eastern time. Thank you all for joining us on the show today. I've been Justin Freed. That's been Mike Luciano. We'll see you guys next time. See you folks next week. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.